Hello again, uh, Gary Wilkerson here with my co-laborer and friend uh, Keith Holloway. We have been uh, discussing the attributes of God. We want to jump right in. This is a very serious, sober um, subject we're uh, attempting to broach here this day, and uh, we're going to. I'm going to start with a word of prayer, and we hope that even you would join us as, as listening and pray pray with us because this is uh, not necessarily the most joyful. Uh, Topic that we will be discussing, but one, but the one that is so necessary that we understand and that we take in our heart. We can't know the grace of God and the love of God and the peace of God and uh, the kindness and long suffering mercy of God unless we understand what that, what those things did for us. The, 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 they took away the wrath of, and the judgment of God. So we're going to be talking about the wrath and judgment of God today. A topic uh, gravely missed in the church and the pulpit today. Greatly needed to be restored. In its, in its proper place, because it is one of the attributes of God. So let's pray over it. And Father, we thank you for Keith being with me today and for uh, his words and mine, that we would edify uh, the body of Christ and we would bless you and magnify you and let you be seen as high and lifted up and the train of your robe filling the temple, that this would be seen as, as a godly moment, a moment of uh, transformation in people's lives, that they would see you in your fullness, not just in the attributes that they want to highlight because they're more pleasant to them, uh, but Lord, we would take all of you uh, because all of you is good. Lord, not one of your attributes are lesser than others. And and uh, so so therefore your other attributes could be called good. Um, uh, even the judgment and the wrath of God is good because where would we be without it? The, the, the nations that would rise up against nation, the vile and evil people that would go uh, uh, without justice and without punishment, without restraint. We thank you, God, for this and help us to, uh, be uh, careful to not uh, act, to attribute to, to you things that are not you and be careful to leave out things that we'd be careful not to leave out things that are of you and we would not want to discuss them for for fear of it being offensive or for fear of it being unacceptable or uh, we would be rejected or it would be unacceptable for us to speak of such things. Uh, they're not popular now. It's not good PR for the pulpit to have words like judgment and wrath, the wrath of God. But Lord, we stand before you as uh, servants who are more interested in pleasing you than we are man. So uh, speak now, Lord, your servants listen and speak through us as well, that others might listen in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Keith. Um, so can you take a few seconds just to review what we talked about last time we were together on the ju just ju judgment of God? You kind of talked about it in two lights, two types of, uh, I think they both started with D, was I correct? Yes. So we've been talking about, uh, Gary, how uh, God himself, one of his attributes is that he is just. And out of that justness flows his justice. It's the execution of his uh, justness uh, upon the earth. And from that justice or an outflow of justice is when God executes uh, a righteous and just judgment. And judgment uh, typically in the Bible is seen as kind of two parts or at least two applications. Um, it's like when you go into a courthouse and the judge gives forth a, or the jury gives forth a, a, a verdict. Uh, there is a judgment given. And there's uh, a, a good side of judgment and a bad side of judgment, let's say. But um, judgment of God is seen as um, discipline. 
that he as a heavenly father, as the creator of the earth, that he has not only the right, but he has the, the will and the power to execute that. So he executes a judgment against our offenses, against our sins, in order to turn us. It's, to a, it's, it's the same as uh, we would say uh, a parent does with a child, uh, that we take a child who's disobedient. Uh, do we excommunicate him? Do we literally kill them? No. We execute a righteous judgment and we apply a discipline that will correct. Now, if that correction and that discipline that's applied does not move someone to yield and submit and they continue on, there is generally from a parent as well as from God a delayed or a restraint in um, uh, moving from discipline to destruction. Uh, and that kindness of God, the Bible says, is to lead us to repentance. So even, even when we would push back against uh, God's discipline, uh, he's still merciful and kind and forbearing and long-suffering. Hallelujah. Uh, but then there comes a point where that um, the, the line has been crossed, so to speak, right. and judgment moves from discipline then unto uh, a righteous and just uh, destruction. And that's where we're kind of moving today is uh, considering the, the wrath of God, what it is, uh, how and why it's applied, and to whom is it applied. Yeah, and I think that's, I would just add to that, because I think what you said was really profound and, and helpful for us. The thing I might add to that would say, it's not necessarily a stair step, and I don't hear describing it like that, like, you know, um, as a Christian, he disciplines you, but as a Christian, if you don't listen to him, then he moves into wrath. Um, yeah. I'm not saying that, uh, I want to make that clear that that it's uh, it's not a stair step thing, you know, like he's disciplining you now, but if you don't listen, he's going to you know, uh, put you in the same category of the children of wrath. Um, and so the, the, the two different types of the, 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 the discipline and destruction that you're talking about, the destruction is upon the, uh, what Romans uh, 1 verse 18 says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteous men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Um, and, and as we're talking about attributes, I might as well read this because it's, it's right in with our whole series here. Verse 20, for his invisible attributes, uh, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived as his attributes, even though invisible are, are perceived. And so this this is one that uh, I think you're speaking so rightly on, Keith, the idea of it being um, a discipline that he has for, for his children. And, and even for ungodly, he disciplines them as well for what you're saying to help them. Mm -hmm. Like he says, uh, what's, where's that? Is it in Romans as well? The, uh, that he's showing patience towards the ungodly uh, because they're storing up wrath. And so he's that patience is try to, it's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. So he's in his kindness, he's withholding his wrath, even on those who have not um, become children of God yet and turn, turn to him. So, um, so do you, would you be able to describe the difference between judgment and wrath? Are they, are they exactly the same or do they have a little bit of a nuanced difference? No, I, I, I find that wrath uh, as well, or we're using the term wrath, it is the doctrine of wrath, of God's wrath. But, um, you know, when you, the idea of judgment is the, is the righteous execution of moral laws that, that God has himself has established. And those um, laws then are either kept or they're broken, and then it moves God to have to execute a judgment. 
And in that judgment, we find you find uh, the the working of God through the Holy Spirit to bring a discipline and a correction. But then if that isn't uh, affected, then it moves God again in righteousness and justness to execute uh, a wrath. Uh, it's a destruction. Um, you know, to to look at it, I think uh, clearer. Um, I would say I find the I would find the wrath within the judgment of God. Um, but wrath, uh, you know, when you look at uh, wrath from the uh, dictionary, it just kind of says uh, extreme anger. And uh, when you read that, it, it just sort of doesn't fit with God, uh, the, the concept of God. But when you bring it into a biblical context, um, it begins to describe God's wrath as a, a strong, vengeful, kind of unforgiving retribution, or, or that means a, a repayment for offenses. So that he's not, he, he's not a vengeful, wrathful well, I started to say he's not that kind of a God, but actually the Bible says uh, in Nahum chapter one, verse two, that he is a jealous, avenging God is the Lord. The Lord is avenging and wrathful. The Lord takes vengeance on his adversaries and reserves wrath for his enemies. So he is that kind of a God when it when it is needed for that part of his nature and his righteous judgments to be executed. But in the Bible, it's always shown that God does take uh, an execution of judgment, and He does execute wrath. I think twenty times it's listed just in the old in the New Testament alone. So sometimes we look at the Old Testament and we say, "Man, He is a mean, harsh, unforgiving, yeah, angry kind of God." But the New Testament, oh, He's love and mercy, and He's all those good things. But we we really have to combine the two and say that He is all of that throughout the Old and the New Testament, uh, and he is executing uh, a righteous judgment of wrath. Uh, but then we we have to move our conversation uh, here soon in our context to to whom does God's wrath fall upon? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the, um, the type of wrath that you're talking about that would be you know, attributed to God that is not God is, you know, I think you're hitting, hitting on this is he's not uh, um, impatient uh, in, in a sense, like he flies off a handle. And, and some people don't like uh, God to, to describe that way. There's a whole movement now um, in, in the body of Christ. It's, it's sort of a rehash of the liberal church from, from history on, but, you know, particularly in the 1950s, but it's kind of being, re it's resurfacing now in, 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 the, in, the, in the church. Um, and, and it's basically saying that, you know, that's, that's divine child abuse, that God's wrath is, is not, uh, you know, he, he doesn't treat his, his children, speaking of his creation or his own son on the cross, he doesn't, there's no punishment, there's no wrath, there's no anger. Uh, and, and many people, and they try to describe it in terms, you know, and there's a compelling argument to that because they're trying to describe it in terms of, you know, what kind of father, um, treats their children like that. Well, the, the wrath of God, as you're saying, is not uh, an impetuous um, sort of just like uh, randomly just got got frustrated and you just uh, up in arms and throw something at somebody or slap them with a the backhand. You know, God's wrath is very deliberate and very, uh, you know, I found that scripture I was thinking of earlier. It's in chapter two, verse four of Romans. Uh, or do you presume on the riches and the kindness and the forbearance and patience? That doesn't sound like a fly off the handle kind of, uh, God, who's 
um, just, you know, red eyed and fuming at the mouth and nostrils, you know, kind of a Zeus type thing with lightning bolts from heaven. Um, he's talking about here, rich, how rich is his kindness and his forbearance and patience, three powerful things, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance, but because of your hard and, and penitent heart, you are, and, and so it's, it's the, it's not, it's the lack of responding to the kindness of God and the mercy of God, the patience of God. And even then you're storing up wrath. You're, you're not seeing wrath immediately to some degree. You're storing it up wrath uh, on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed later on in the program, or maybe next week, I want to talk about the particular wrath of God on the judgment day, but there's another type of wrath. Again, that's the Romans 1.18, the wrath of God being revealed uh, in, that's present time. That's not a future. So one here we see the, the future wrath of God coming on a day of judgment. And then we see here in 18 of, our, of chapter one, uh, it is being revealed right now um, against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of man. So that kind of that kind of the, this type of wrath of God, we we don't want to we don't want to eliminate it from our theology. And, and we certainly hope that God would not eliminate it from his attributes to try to become popular or have good press, uh, because if he decides, like, okay, if people don't want my judgment and wrath, then I'll do away with it. If he does that, then there is there is no restraint of evil. There's no punishment of evil. So anybody that were to, if somebody were to harm my daughter, I would hope they would get arrested and locked up in jail. That would be retribution. That would be that them receiving their just rewards for their for their uh, demonically led uh uh, activities and so we we want a God who is who has these elements to him. Uh, we're, we're thankful that he's not like a alcoholic father who just abuses children, uh, but we are grateful that he is this God of, as you said earlier, justness, justice, um, and, and and wrath. Yeah, so that's 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 a good starting place, right? Yeah, and I think Gary, as we as we look. Um, at our day, as we try to uh, estimate and, and um, judge rightly our generation, I, I think we would all generally agree that now, perhaps more than ever before, we need uh, right thinking uh, and correct viewing of the doctrine of God's wrath. Um, because in that wrath, uh, the knowledge of it, um, we we find some motivation for Christian living, you know, that we have a, a, a righteous and right fear of God, that sense of not being afraid that this angry, bitter uh, kind of existing deity is trying to crush us at every opportunity, but rather uh, a motivation that comes from recognizing that he is just. And because he's just, he must, he must execute uh, a righteous wrath upon offenses and these per, these crimes against him and, and his laws. And it should motivate us to move. So I think now more than ever before, we, we need this. I think it's again timely that God has led you to do this. W one of the reasons why we need it is think of our day to day. There's just an increased uh, moral relativism that, that everything uh, everything that is, is, and there's no absolutes. Uh, everything that God has stated, from going back, you look at the Ten Commandments. That was uh, that was the presentation or revealing of who He 
was and is, and the laws of God that are stated in the Bible reveal who he is. It reveals the way that we must relate back to God. Yet today, the, the foundations of these um, truths that have really been the, the, the foundational principles that established our country, they're being done away with. Uh, good is evil and evil is good and everything is topsy-turvy. Uh, you know, there's this uh, there's this continued working of of uh, humanism that is trying to replace God with human intellect, human experience. Really, it's just simply it's man trying to replace God with himself. And by dissolving uh, the moral laws, the moral values, uh, really the morality of God himself has brought us into this place where uh, everything goes. You know, and and to try to live and especially speak or to apply uh, godly morality today uh, is uh, is an offense. Uh, did you know in the Urban Dictionary, um, uh, I had to look it up because uh, I, I created a word in my mind. And I thought, well, maybe it's not even real. But it actually, it's to my surprise, it was in the Urban Dictionary called uh, offense, offensivism. Hmm. And, it, and it, it just literally means someone who is just they're out looking for something to be offended by something that to them is not right in their own eyes. And uh, we have this. Uh, it's running rampant uh, today. And so this is why we must bring ourselves back to a right view, a biblical view uh, of God and realize that when we talk about God's wrath, we're not talking about the God's wrath as it looks like coming from a human origin. Um, you know, we get angry and we get provoked and we have high emotional outbursts and we react uh, in extremisms. And yet that's the way we put that on God and say, God is like us. That's the way he is. That's, the, you know, and then we struggle. Why is God supposedly so loving? And yet the guy is so angry all the time. Uh, so quick and ready to kill people, that kind of a thing, and cast them into hell. But the reality is we have to separate. Uh, you prayed that we wouldn't put or attribute to God things that are not his. His wrath is not done by emotions. His wrath is not executed out of an arbitrary, uh, contrived sense. It comes from the stability, the reality of who he is. That he is love, but he is also uh, a just. Um, I, I found a quote by Tertullian. You know, he was a prolific uh, early Christian writer and uh, apologist. But he wrote that only God can be angry without being shaken. He can be annoyed without coming into peril. He can be moved without being overthrown. You see, and that's in contrast to human uh, reaction, human anger. So I think we're at a timely, timely place, uh, especially as we see events transpiring across cities in America, um, issues that for decades and decades and decades have uh, risen and fall and risen and fall. And it's been uh, a challenge to everyone in our society. Uh, it isn't just an American thing. It is universal. There are a uh, multitude of isms whether it's racism, tribalism, classism, et cetera, et cetera. But it's timely for us to uh, stop 
pull ourselves down emotionally, uh, to try to clear our minds of, uh, of so many different angles and avenues of thought right now and return back to the Bible. And let's see clearly uh, how God is responding out of his justness, uh, how his executions are judge, just and right. And as we stated last time, as we talked about judgment, we have to continue to reiterate to people because we just forget it, but that he is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. He is patient to the nth degree. He is long-suffering. He is forbearing. He's executing righteousness, but also mercy and grace and a willingness to receive any repentant soul. Uh, but there is a time, there is a, if you will, uh, a line that God has drawn in the sand. I, I don't know what that line is or where it is, but it's there. And uh, once that line has been crossed over, then uh, God begins to execute. Uh, and we can even say that even when he executes judgment, again, he is seeking for that initial uh, application of correction and discipline to bring us back, to turn us from our wicked ways, to keep us from going headstrong over the cliff. And so the love of God is found completely and always integrated, woven in together with all aspects of his ju judgments. Mm -hmm. I like that, Keith. I like how you're describing that. I think that's a great quote, too, too by the early church father there. There's a... Mm -hmm. You, you're also talking about how scripture speaks of God's judgment and, and his wrath. And we kind of hit on a few, if I could just sort of uh, review a little bit. And so there's the discipline that is upon God's children. That is not, it's not his wrath, but it's part of his judging in the sense of not, not that we're under judgment of God or under condemnation, but it's the discipline, which is different than of uh, the actual, um, you know, you, we're kind of been talking about like the, how this attribute of God's has found disfavor in culture particularly and even in the pulpit today it's we, we want to dismiss this and not talk about it because it doesn't sound good uh to to the modern ear uh, but there is a second form of wrath that we're talking about and and it's not i just want to describe what it's not first it's, it is not by any means uh, exclusively held within what some might say is sort of uh karma or sowing and reaping well you know karma is not biblical but sowing and reaping is but if God's wrath is not just, you know, like if you go, if you are sexually uh, immoral, you're, you're likely to get a sexual, uh, trans, sexually transmitted disease. Uh, so, so the liberal scholar would say that's not God's wrath or judgment. That's just, you know, karma. That's just, uh, and, and so they might say, you know, and and part of that scripture there uh, is, you know, in Romans again, we've been looking at Romans a little bit. Therefore, God gave them up to the lust of their heart and their purity. It almost sounds here like. It's well, you know, I'm gonna let you go ahead and, you know, and if and if you uh, break into a store, you you might get arrested and put some time in jail. So that you know, your punishment is your own. So and there is that reality that is sowing and reaping. But what we're talking about, the wrath of God, is actually uh, is is initiated, is launched by God. He is the one. His hand is actually involved. It's not just sort of you went off and you did that, so you 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 reap your just rewards. It's God actually himself being the perpetrator of, of not only the discipline, but of the wrath. And uh, uh, John 3.36 says, He who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. This is it's, it's, it's not just around him because of something he did. It's actually on him. Or Psalms 99.8 says, 
uh, you are a forgiving God to them and yet an avenger of their evil deeds. And so we see, uh, uh, you know, that, that is something that, that is an activity of God. John 5, 22, uh, for the father judges no man, but has committed all judgment to the son. Verse 27 then continues, and he has given him authority to execute. That word execute there does, is not a bystander uh, watching um reaping and sowing. It is him executing judgment also because he is the son of God. And lastly, 1 Peter 4, 17, for the time has come, the judgment must begin at the house of God. Again, this is something that that that, that God that God is actively in, in, involved in um, bringing these things. And so, so you've talked about uh, the discipline, and then I'm talking now about the act of judgment and, and wrath of God. Um, Let's let's take a few minutes to talk about because it seems to me in scripture and and if you and I disagree a little bit on this let's let's share both points of view maybe I'm, we haven't talked about this before so we might be in agreement but uh, different scholars and different theologians and different commentaries take a little bit different look on this the wrath of God kind of almost seems to be in the New Testament you know in the Old Testament we see floods and earthquakes and grounds opening up ground opening up and diseases on people. In the New Testament, you still have God speaking of his wrath and of his judgments, but it seems to be parceled into two different um, waves, if you will. One is the future wrath of God, a, a judgment on the earth. Um, it's more of the book of Revelation, wrath of God. And then the, 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 then these wraths that I just read from, from John, Jesus is, 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 has, has judgment in his and and, uh, and and he's and he's slow to anger, but he's still judging. So, do you see almost kind of two different kind of wraths? Um, a a present day wrath of God being revealed, like Romans one eighteen, and then a future kind of wrath, or, or are they sort of the same? Does that question make any sense? Sure. It yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you caught me a little bit flat-footed, but I I would come back with saying that. Um, you know, the wrath of God from the New Testament, as I said, it's listed at least 20 times uh, just in the New Testament, uh, is that God does, because uh, he does execute a righteous uh, wrath now uh, in, in New Testament times, in our times now. Uh, but because I think this is uh, from the Bible, from Jesus's time in Acts 2, where the Holy Spirit was outpoured upon the new birth of the church, uh, up until now, this is the church age, and part of the dynamics of the church age is that God is um, drawing a people to himself out of the mass of humanity, and he's showing uh, extraordinary restraint uh, against sin. He's showing uh, loving kindness. We, we've mentioned already the verse that uh, the kindness of God leads men to repentance, um, you know, there is, uh, according to the scriptures, uh, you know, you find it in Romans chapter two. Uh, it talks about that uh, in accordance with your hardness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself, wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. It speaks then of that God is looking right now at people. He is uh, evaluating. He is, if you will, executing a judgment by by um, evaluating our heart, our the way we think, the uh, our actions. And now, 
he is executing a wrath, but it is a wrath that is measured. It's a it's a wrath that is um, kept and sort of applied in direct proportions to sort of the offenses. Uh, he's he's really I would say he's kind of going over the top with mercy, uh, and you find that as a component that filtrates through the whole New Testament. Uh, Twenty times he's wrath. There's other things about his anger. But simultaneously, we read about all what we would think of those positive attributes uh, of, of mercy and grace and so forth. But I see it, you know, in the in the book of Revelation, especially, you know, it talks about the cup of his wrath. And if you think about that, think about a cup and that cup might represent either all humanity, but it could represent our individual lives. And that cup, as we sin, it begins to fill that cup up. And at any time, because of his righteousness, he could execute uh, kind of a final judgment uh, of wrath. But instead, he is merciful and kind. He's trying to discipline and correct. The Holy Spirit is from John 15. He's convicting us of sin and judgment and righteousness. He's trying to draw us back, bring us to our senses. The cup is filling. Now, that can go on and does go on and on and on. And from this in um, uh, Romans, it said the responsibility of the of the wrath of God is really falling upon us. He repeats uh, there in verse five, but in accordance with your hardness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself. We're storing it up. We're filling up the cup. So uh, and God uses a multitude of things. Uh, circumstances, events in our lives, uh, the work of the Holy Spirit, uh, people around us that have power and influence to to our lives, to speak into our lives, using all these multiple avenues uh, to try to bring us back to compliance, a place of yieldedness and surrender to Him, and to live in, more fully in the grace and the mercy of God. The cup keeps filling up, and then it moves on in this verse uh, wrath in the day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will re render or pay or give back to each one according to his deeds. So, uh, Gary, I would I'd look at it uh, using that uh, scriptural analogy of a cup that's just filling up bit by bit. Mercy, grace is saying, come back, turn from your sin, repent. But eventually the cup gets full. And I find that really leads us then to the future wrath that you said that we'll look at either now or at a later time. Yeah. And yeah. When we come back to that next week, we'll, we'll uh, pray that people will be drawn back to hear this because it's such an important subject. And, you know, as you were, as you were uh, talking about that, it reminded me of Jeremiah 36, three, I just looked at that. It says, uh, we will hear all the disaster or you will hear all the disaster that I intend to do to, uh, to, do to them. So this is God's doing. It's not, again, like I was saying earlier, just random activities. Uh, but then it's talking about your purposes, this cup that he, you know, he could just, he could pour it out at any time or he could uh, pour it out on Christ. We'll talk about that later, too, as well. Um, uh, but it says uh, these, these, these are things I intend to do so that everyone may turn from his evil way and I might forgive and heal their iniquity. And that's, you know, the power of God's wrath is. Is it's, it's 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 a warning to flee from the wrath of God to come. That's it's it's not it's not sort of, sort of a, uh, just a, again this impatient uh, 
angry God ready to slap us in heaven. It's it's a God who's who's trying to show us that this is serious business, and uh, you you know you 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 will you will reap what you sow, but part of that reaping will be my judgment upon you. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important we you know again going back to this whole thing of how this has become so a topic like this today. Uh, you know, I wonder if it'll be received. Uh, I almost wonder if you know most people listening have already you know not listening where they turned this off because they just don't want to hear uh, this thing. And I can understand that it's not the most pleasant subject in, in the world as well, but it's so important because it is a part of uh, God's doing uh, on the earth. You know, this this topic is one that in times past would have been a very uh, critical and crucial and common part of 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 pulpit life of you you would very likely go to church and hear a message like this on a fairly regular basis as a matter of fact uh jonathan edwards in early america all the way up to probably till 20 years ago 30 years ago it was said the most popular the most powerful sermon ever preached in america on any pulpit on any sunday was jonathan edwards sermon sinners in the hands of an angry god yes. and that's and now if you mentioned that subject like angry god no don't talk about that and and if you look at the, the, the text or listen to, uh, you can actually go to YouTube and there are some people that have uh, recorded it kind of in a dramatic uh, recreation of a sermon, uh, speaking his text. You can listen to it or read it. And if you do, it'd be interesting to find out what our listeners would think of that, because I think some would be put off by it. And, but I think those who understand the nature and character of God, uh, not that I'm putting you and I in a category of being above anybody, but I think we understand some of these things we're talking about in the nature of God. And, and part of it is this divine retribution, the wrath, the judgment of God. And so as Edwards talks about that, he does it in such a way that provokes, you know, it's like he talks about a spider being hung over the flames of eternal hell. And at any moment, the, mm-hmm. God, you know, his mercy and his kindness could let go of that. And we'd fall into that wrath forever and, and ever. And, you know, and that's seen in such as, it's almost seen as putrid now. How dare somebody talk like that? Uh, and, and yet the Bible talks like that. And so I, I, my prayer is that one day there would be such truth shouted from the pulpits and from the housetops that this attribute of God would once again not come into favor. I don't want to say it that way, but once again be noticed and paid attention to because, you know, if God is not like, you know, uh, my mother, so to speak, who warned me 20 times, you know, if you do that again, you're going to, I don't know if your mom was like that or dad, you know, if you, uh, if you leave that screen door open one more time, I'm going to send you to your room. And, you know, you knew she wasn't going to, so you just kept doing it. Well, there comes a time where God, his warnings will become a reality. And and so messages like Edwards and messages like we're proclaiming today uh, need to be heard and, and received and taken to the, heated and taken to heart. And, and uh, Keith, you and I, I think we have the same agenda here is that hopefully some of the words we would say, particularly if pastors are listening, that, mm-hmm. that they might study the scriptures to see this as a reality of the heart, heart nature of God, the character of God, mm-hmm. and then begin to proclaim it uh, in, in a humble, not, not in, a, mm-hmm. in an angry way, you know, like getting, uh, it's a, mm-hmm. you know, they said that uh, when Edwards preached that message, he was totally calm. Uh, he wasn't raising his voice. He wasn't yelling at the people. Uh, and yet people were holding on to the front of the pew in front of them. For, uh, some of them described for fear of falling down into that pit he was describing. You know, where is the fear of God today? Where is the 
where's the sense of that he is other, transcendent, powerful, above, mm-hmm. and to be honored and respected and feared in a good way, revered, not not feared mm-hmm. in a way of, uh, you know, again, like you would have uh, mm-hmm. of a, a drunk father, <laughs> feared in the way of a holy father. And uh, yeah, so okay, let's, let's come back next week, Keith. Why don't we, this is a good stopping point uh, because there's a lot to discuss about the wrath of God. And I want to talk about sort of the day of wrath as well, uh, the, the the judgment wrath of God, um, because that's part of his the, the, sort of the final expression to some degree. Uh, so thanks for being with us this week. Appreciate you. I love your wisdom and insight. It really blesses me when I hear from you. I always get encouraged. So thanks again. Thanks, Gary. Yeah, I look forward to seeing you next week. The Gary Wilkerson Podcast is brought to you by World Challenge transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ. Each week, this podcast reaches thousands of listeners. This critical work is made possible by the generous contributions of individuals like you who believe in World Challenge's mission. Thank you for listening and supporting.